Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, good evening and welcome to a Twitter Spaces special edition of the Sunday Late Show. Tonight, I'm joined by Dr. Lucy Kelly, who will be talking to us about her new book, Reimagining the Diary and the Role that Diary Keeping Can Play in Supporting Teaching Professionals with Self-Reflection, Self-Development and Personal Wellbeing. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, education guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Dr Lucy Kelly is an Associate Professor in Education at the University of Bristol, primarily working with PGCE English trainee teachers. She advocates that trainee teachers see themselves as their own biggest resource in the classroom and that they prioritise their well-being from the outset. Her main research interest is reflective practice as a positive tool for educator well-being and she is principal investigator for the Reimagining the Diary project which uses a multimodal diary toolkit and ongoing well-being CPD programme to support educators across the country. The team have now launched a student diary toolkit, which is currently being tested by 250 year 12 pupils. Lucy has written numerous articles on educator well-being and reflective practice and presented her work on podcasts, at conferences and on the radio. In her book, Reimagining the Diary, Lucy seeks to offer all who work in education some flexible and effective strategies for establishing a habit of diary keeping that focuses on catharsis, celebration and perspective, to download their day and see just how well they're doing, and to help diary keepers to find the narrative and make sense of experience. Reimagining the Diary is published by John Catt and available now. Good evening, Lucy, and thank you for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio tonight. Good evening, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me. I wonder if you might start the show by exploring your diary research project in a little more detail before we come on to the main content of your book. What did the diary research project involve and how have the findings of this research shaped the development of your book? Yes, so the book is very much grounded in my research project, which has been going for four years now. And it started when I was introduced to a lovely colleague in the School of History. And we started talking about diaries and thinking whether there was such a thing as the perfect diary, and if so, what that would look like. And because of my work with teachers, we decided to explore that with a group of 15 teachers. And back in 2019, we took them into this beautiful room at Bristol University where they were shown an array of different types of diaries and they were asked to choose which ones they might like to keep for a week. 
and then reflect on the impact it had on their well-being. So we had everything from blank notebooks to lined notebooks to gratitude journals um, to, um, you know, other types of diary that you could get in stationers. And they were just, you know, taken away by this group of 15 teachers. And at the end of that, when we asked them to reflect on the impact it had on their well-being, all of them said that diary keeping had had a positive impact. But when we asked them whether there was such a thing as the perfect diary, um, none of them could come up with the formula of a perfect diary because a diary means something different to everybody. And some people liked the freedom that the blank page offered, whilst others wanted a more structured approach with prompts and suggestions and boxes to draw in and write in, etc. So that led to the Reimagining the Diary project, in a sense, and for us to explore what a diary might look like for different types of educators with different types of well-being needs and from that we came up with this diary toolkit which has an array of different activities for educators to engage with we've currently got 21 multimodal activities so we've got everything from scrapbooking to affirmation writing to storyboarding to audio recording to tracking the weather etc and the reason we've got that is because if you want to get to know yourself at a deeper level, then you need to use more than just writing. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as the programme progresses. But also different people want different things from their diaries and different people want different things at different times. So we wanted something that gave people the opportunity to customise their diary to suit their well-being needs at the point of entry and also the type of person they are so they could come to their diary each day and think right what would I get the most benefit from today and that might be storyboarding or it might be doodling or sketchnoting or some other activities so we have this very flexible approach but in order to get people to the point of feeling confident with different types of diary keeping um, what we do is we invite our users to keep the diary toolkit for three weeks where they will do each of those 21 activities once. And then after that, they will reflect on those activities that spoke the most to them and resonated the most and had the most impact. And they will then customise their own diary toolkit using those activities. And we have those activities as a set of bookmarks so people can swap in different activities as the year progresses and as their needs and well-being um, changes. So we're now into phase eight of the project and we're working with students, as you mentioned, and we're working with you know educators across the country and at different stages of their career. And it's been really exciting to see the impact that keeping a diary toolkit has had on their well-being, as well as engaging with these monthly well-being CPD sessions that we run. So we're making well-being ongoing and interactive rather than something that's perhaps seen as tokenistic and done once and then forgotten about. And being part of a community has been really impactful as well. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where it will go next. Um, and the impact, you know, from a stats perspective, if you like, we we ask our educators to complete many monthly wellbeing check-ins, which are just a three-minute online survey, if that. And they just click a series of boxes and, and consider the impact our diary toolkit has had on their wellbeing. And in each of the phases we've run with, you know, the 400 educators we've worked with, wellbeing scores have increased as the project has progressed, which is fantastic. And they'll also take part in end of project surveys and focus groups to give us feedback and how we can move the project forward. 
Fantastic. And how are you planning to track these over time? How long are you planning to keep a keep an eye on these different journals and the impact they're having? Yeah, so I think we're looking to work with educators and schools into next academic year and beyond. And so we keep the um, those mini wellbeing check-ins for the duration of the phase that the participant has signed up to. And those phases are of different lengths. Some of them are for a few months, others for are for full academic years, but they can be shorter as well, depending on the context. And so for each of those phases, wellbeing scores have gone up. And that's just incredible to see, you know, the impact that just pressing pause and turning inwards and thinking about what's working for you and what's not and using that as a space to harness change has been, yeah, really, really exciting to see. I can think particularly of early careers teachers whom this might benefit because, of course, the nature of their job changes quite dramatically as they move through the different stages of their first few years in teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And we do work with quite a few early career teachers um, as part of the project. Some of mine who I've I've worked with in Bristol, which has been lovely, and also our our student teachers at Bristol University on the English programme are asked to keep a reflective journal to track their professional journey across the PGCE year, which undoubtedly leads to them also reflecting on their well-being journey as well and what's working and what isn't. And I think it can be really powerful just to you know, take that moment to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. And for ECTs as well, when you're in maybe a climate of being observed and, you know, having feedback from different people at different times, it can sometimes be quite hard to find yourself in that because you're hearing lots of other opinions. And obviously that's really important in terms of your development. But I think a reflective journal and diary can just be a a place for you to to take stock of those conversations and that feedback and to see how you might use it to move forward as well as to celebrate everything that's going really well and just you know how amazing you are and and how well you're doing and that again is something I'm sure we'll talk about but that maybe isn't um, you know talked about as much when using a diary as the sense of catharsis and that downloading of a day. Excellent and if you look at the differences or similarities between professionals who are fairly well through their career and people who are just starting out do they have similar themes that are being raised in their entries yes they are i mean the feedback that we get is anonymous and we don't actually take in the diary toolkits we only ask the participants to reflect on the impact it's having on their well-being and the reason for that is we feel that if we were to take in the diary toolkits then people might not be perhaps as honest in their entries because they know it's going to be looked at by somebody else I know I I wouldn't be as honest so um, whilst we haven't seen the entries themselves from our feedback um, in surveys and focus groups the th- the similarities and themes arising are quite consistent across you know different phases and different um you know levels of the profession if you like so those main findings are catharsis that sense of downloading the day celebration and perspective and those have been consistent since we began the project back in 2019 which is really interesting actually that those you know, key areas and key benefits of diary keeping still ring true four years later. Indeed, I suppose we've used the word diary now a couple of times, Lucy, Mm. we probably ought to define what we mean by it. Could you take us through what your understanding of diary is for the purposes of your book and for the project, please? 
Yes, of course. Well, diary is an incredibly loaded term, and I know that it will mean different things to different people, much like a you know, journal would or the term well-being will. Um, but part of my project and part of this book is about reclaiming the word diary and you know, unraveling it from that cultural and literary and historical baggage that it has attached to it. So I'm using the term diary as a place, a, you know, a locus, if you like, for those well-being reflections. So rather than an organisational tool, I'm using it as a space to, you know, document that narrative of the self and, you know, that ongoing professional and personal journey that you are partaking in. And people said to me, well, wouldn't it be better if you use the term journal? And I don't think it would, because a journal can mean, you know, a journal where you are, you know, um, writing about yourself, etc. But it can also be a place where academic papers are housed and collected. So, again, that's a slippery term to use, if you like. Thanks for making that clear for us. It is quite, it offers up quite a different range of images in my mind when I think of diaries sometimes I think of that little small book with a little padlock on the front yes. and a key yes. um, sometimes I think of the hefty great volumes written by various 18th century writers and then sometimes I think of my own slightly pathetic efforts when I was much younger than I am now so it's, it's worth thinking isn't it about what we mean by a diary and what the diary has been over the course of the last 200, 300 years in English, particularly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, diaries, as I said earlier, mean different things to different people. But humans have always been really interested in, you know, the narrative of the self and documenting our existence and, you know, telling people and showing people that we matter and we're here and we existed. And so that has been done in different ways, as you rightly say, over you know, over time and throughout history. But in the book, I talk about this sense that from my research, the diary seems to have five main uses, if you like, and that is that it's used as um, a portal, so an opportunity to time travel, whether that be through country, culture, um, person, that, you know, sense of just staying where you are, but being able to access different spaces. It can also be used as a mirror. So I think a diary is really powerful because it allows you to hold up this imaginary mirror, if you like, to the different aspects of yourselves and to get to know them at a deeper level. So you can dig beneath the surface, if you like, and see what's working, what isn't and, you know, how you can flourish. It can also be used as a sounding board. So in my research, when I was looking at the ways diaries are used over time, a sounding board came through strongly. So it's a, a way of you sharing your ideas and thoughts and feelings in a safe place before taking them out into the wider world. It's a chance for you to experiment and rehearse. So, you know, if you think about Charles Darwin and all the many notebooks he collected on his travels, he was almost testing out his theories before taking them further. And Virginia Woolf as well, she was doing exactly the same in her wonderful diaries. They can also be anchors, and this is something that really resonates with me and, and has come through in lots of the feedback from participants that I've worked with. They can be a way of anchoring ourselves to the world and the values we hold. So if, you know, and, and it feels even more relevant in the current educational climate when everything feels overwhelming and perhaps we feel lost amidst the uncertainty of everything, I think a diary can be a great way of reminding ourselves that we matter, 
and grounding ourselves in the presence. And that can be really, really powerful. And linked to that, this sense of a diary being a comfort blanket. So it can almost be a way of wrapping up the different aspects of ourselves and protecting them. So a bit like the sounding board, it gives you a chance to to vent and to draw on those cathartic elements of the diary, but also celebrating all that we've achieved to date. And I think that sometimes gets lost, but actually as well as you know, a, a tool to vent, it can also be a tool to celebrate and gain perspective. Thank you. Um, how do you think those specific uses might be of benefit to teachers particularly? I think all of them are of benefit to teachers actually and as I say particularly at the moment I think that sometimes you know we can feel that we aren't enough or doing a good enough job and that's where the portal elements can be really helpful because we can return to earlier entries in our diary and see that we are enough that we do matter and that we are you know capable and doing really really well within a wonderful profession but also a challenging profession so that sense of time traveling within our diaries to earlier entries can be really beneficial as well as perhaps creating entries to our future self as well so um, or from our future self. So if our future self was writing to our current self, what would they say? And that, again, can just be a way of taking us out of the moment and reminding ourselves of the bigger picture. I think mirrors still works for educators today as well. So that sense of, you know, thinking about what's working, what's not, looking at ourselves at a deeper level and just unpicking, you know, the, the mask, if you like, and getting into the behind the scenes of our lives sounding boards definitely so you know I, I've worked with participants who have had to have big conversations with heads of department for example and have been really really nervous about that well a diary can be a way to rehearse and practice that conversation with your head of department or colleague and you can then take that entry in with you a bit like a security blanket so your brain has been tricked into thinking that this conversation has already happened your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and the imagination so if you've already practiced it in the pages of a diary, then when you go into the real thing, you will feel a lot less anxious. And that can be really, really powerful as well. Um, the sense of anchors, I think, as you know, I was saying earlier, that idea of just, you know, grounding yourself in the present. So when everything feels overwhelming, when you're feeling that there are so many items on the to do list and you're never going to get through them and going into assessment season, etc., it can feel really, really tough actually just using your diary to remind yourself that you matter that you are enough and to look at everything you have achieved is really really powerful and that links to the sense of a comfort blanket as well just celebrating yourself in the pages of a diary and using that as a motivation to keep going forward yeah i was particularly struck when i was reading chapter two of your book actually with the section towards the end of the chapter where you had these various responses from different participants who were giving their perspective on how the process had worked for them. And there's one particular participant who says, it feels like there are lots of issues and worries going around in my head, often to do with work, because I work at home so much, it's really hard to switch off from these worries. So the stress is inescapable. Getting them written down helped me to switch off as if they were dealt with and I could forget about them for the weekend or evening. And I think there is that need, isn't there, in teaching for people 
to create that space for themselves where they don't have to be constantly thinking about what's going to happen in the next two, three days, four or five weeks, four or five months, next term, next year. And giving people that space to do that is really quite a valuable thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was a comment that really struck me, actually, and really stood out to me even years later, that sense of, you know, you can use a diary to draw a line in the sand and to just press pause on the day and to recreate those parameters between work and home, especially when we work so much from home and in a profession that doesn't have an end point. In the book, I talk about um, a test article where the, um, the writer says that teaching is a lot like a gas. It will expand to fill the amount of time and room you give it and I personally resonate with that as well I find it really difficult to say that's enough for today but actually a diary can be that opportunity for you to just say okay that's it I'm moving into home mode now and this is about me downloading the day so that I can park it and move on to top up my well-being cup and to invest in those other areas of my life that make me the wonderful educator I am when I go into the classroom um, and I know how difficult it can be as I say I find it a struggle myself but when I do have that time for me and step away from the laptop I know I'm a better teacher um, and I think that the diary can just be that tool to help you switch from caregiver to caretaker. How did you select your original participants for the project? Did they volunteer or were they um, selected yeah, so those 15 lovely teachers that um, signed up all those years ago, um, they were people that I knew who we'd worked with on the PGCE, also people that had, you know, been told about what we were exploring and, and if they wanted to sign up. So they were local to Bristol and the surrounding areas. And yeah, it sort of spiralled from there, really. And we had everybody from um, PGC student teachers to heads of department to ECTs, um, both in primary and secondary sectors as well. So it was a, a real variety actually within those 15 participants, which was great because as I said, we wanted to see what the perfect diary might look like. And at that point, we didn't really know if diary keeping did have an impact on well-being. You know, my, myself and my colleague had our own stories to tell and we felt that it had an impact and we were both avid diary keepers. Um, but we wanted to sort of test the water and to see whether, whether you know, what we hoped was would actually come to fruition and, and it did. And it led to us working with this wonderful um, creative company called Stand and Stare who made this diary toolkit for us based on some of the ingredients that the participants had shared of what they would like to go into their diary. So from those ingredients, our, our wonderful creative partners said, well, it would almost look a bit like a box of magic, magic tricks because you would have, you know, maybe some writing activities, some drawing activities and, you know, some sound in there as well. But they were saying it's not very portable because they have this beautiful wooden box with these different activities in it. So we then had to think, OK, well, if everybody wants something different, but those you know um what people want will be different on different days as well then we need a format that will accommodate that and allow people to be creative and playful and swap different activities in and out which led to this diary toolkit which can be customized by the user and personalized by them thank you so let's imagine this diary toolkit then i'm laying it out on the desk in front mm. of me what's in it lucy 
Okay, so um, it's a beautiful product. So it's actually a physical product. It's not online, although some of the activities can be accessed via our website. And that's actually come from the participants. So when we've spoken to them about, you know, using more digital activities, they've said, no, we don't want that. We want something physical because it feels like a gift and it feels like a treat and it feels very different to work. So it's not like another job on a to-do list because it feels like it's something for them because it's very separate from the work they do on the computer. So there's this beautiful Hessian bag and inside that Hessian bag is a wooden spinner which has different activities both side um, linked to our transition tasks that I can talk about further. Um, and as well as that we have the beautiful book which is hardback currently but we're having a spiral bounds version printed so that that's a bit easier to use. And within that book are the 21 activities that I talked about. So those main activities that participants will do on a daily basis. And we have everything from, as I said, sort of affirmation writing to gratitude lists, to conquering a challenge, to scrapbooking, to um, doodling, et cetera, et cetera. Deliberately multimodal in approach. So a variety of different modes, deliberately playful and creative and opening up the diary beyond writing. And then once the participant has done the main activity, they would just then reflect on whether they want to keep the entry, destroy it or share it. And the purpose of that is to help the participants um, reimagine the diary for themselves, because if they know that they're, only the, they're the only person seeing their entry, either because they're keeping it or destroying it, then it be, can be quite liberating um, and they can let go of the judgment and expectation side of diary keeping that can be a limiting factor. So alongside the book, once everybody has completed those three weeks, how to go at every one of those 21 activities, there's then this beautiful set of bookmarks, which is a bit like um, a set of playing cards. And within the box, each activity is detailed on one bookmark. So there are 21 bookmarks, one bookmark for each of those activities in the main book. And participants can then create their own diary toolkit using these bookmarks in a notebook of their choice so they can swap in different activities as and when depending on their needs and feelings and interests for that day or that week etc so it's entirely up to them but on these bookmarks we've also got qr codes so that will take the participant to templates for example for some of the activities which they can print out so that makes it a little bit easier for them um, it also links them to a digital spinner um, to help them transition into that caregiving mode. It can also be linked to a calendar reminder so that you can have an alert come up on your phone or laptop to remind you to um, complete your diary toolkit entry. So it feels very special when participants get this um, diary toolkit. It's lovely because there's lots of oohs and ahs in the room and it's a bit like Christmas morning that they're getting this gift. And that's part of this idea that the diary becomes a ritual that's, that people look forward to. It's not something else that they need to do at the end of the day on a computer. It's something very much for them and about them. It seems to me to be a really, really good idea moving back towards the physicality of the book and mm -hmm. the various uh, tools that are in this kit. Every time I think of being asked to be reflective at work, it normally comes down to 
a professional management phase at some point in the year and requires me to fill in a few online pages in the Blue Sky Education <laughs> Management software. So I think having that physical thing outside of the online space is quite powerful, actually, in separating it from the ordinary run of work. Absolutely. And that's what came back from the participants. So we had people saying to us, oh, you need to have more, you know, digital tasks and um, activities for people to engage with and you need to create an app and everything. And that might come about at some point in the future. But at this point, when we went to our participants and suggested that they were very adamant that they didn't want anything digital, that this was about taking care of themselves and as you say something completely separate from work um, and I think that's part of the power of the project actually that it feels like this is about people reinvesting in themselves and, and rather than it being about teaching and learning in school and reflective practice to do with teaching and learning this is about using those skills around reflective practice to reflect on your well-being personally and professionally so to to have that divide, I think, has been quite striking, but also important and an important part of the project. Yeah, it sounds to me almost that I'm imagining it in my head, like the contents of a tabletop um, development game where you have almost like role playing game where you yeah. are working with all these different individual pieces to form a view of what's happened to you over the course of the week. Is it something that some people do collaboratively or do they always tend to do them in their own space independently? Well, the participants are from across the country um, and we've worked with individual participants who've just signed up individually on the project. But we have also worked with a couple of schools at different points, which has been lovely. So we've worked with whole staff within a school. And interestingly, some of the participants from those schools said that they did do the activities collectively and actually used reflections from those activities to inspire meetings, you know, and um, agenda items on meetings, etc. But also as a way of them just pulling together more as a staff team. And so I got lovely photos from one of the schools I was working with saying that keeping the diary toolkit had inspired them to go wild swimming together. And so I had a photo of these people ready to jump into a lake and that they felt it had brought them together because it just gave them a chance to sort of find things out about each other through the entries of their diary toolkit that they hadn't actually had the chance to, you know, to find out about previously. Um, so that was really lovely to, to hear, actually, to just see how it can be a way of bringing people together. And even if those aren't, entries aren't shared, just for people to have the confidence to use what was in those entries to inspire or promote conversations between people. So it sounds like you're forging new communities through this very process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things I'm really excited and proud of, actually, that the, you know, the CPD part of the project, when we have our monthly wellbeing CPD sessions, is about people coming together. Those sessions are virtual, so those are online just because of you know, um, logistics, if you like, and trying to find somewhere where everybody could meet would be difficult. And it means that I can record the sessions. But just having a space for people to come together, talk about their well-being, hear from somebody within the Teacher Five a Day community, share some advice and tips and strategies to support an aspect of well-being has been really powerful because it's about 
giving people permission to be honest in a safe space and to hear that they're not the only one struggling with you know prioritizing their well-being there's something really powerful about knowing you're not alone and I think that's been really really lovely and actually previous participants I've worked with have still stayed in touch from those you know well-being CPD sessions and and they forged friendships etc from those sessions and that's really really lovely. Yeah it's almost a return to the pen friend I suppose isn't it? Yes yes it is. It is. And it's been really important for me as well. You know, it's just, as I say, I think everybody is trying to prioritise their well-being. It's not something you've done and you can tick off that to-do list and think, yep, I'm sorted. You're always trying to manage your well-being and prioritise it and to make yourself feature at the top of that to-do list so that you don't burn out, particularly in a profession where we are constantly giving to others and plate spinning it's hard so I think just to know that you're not the only one experiencing that and to hear advice and tips from other people has been really really helpful for me I take as much from it as other people um, and I find that I leave those sessions feeling really inspired and topped up and you know ready to go again so although it could be seen as you know an investment in people's time and energy and another item on the to-do list thinking oh I've got to go to this you know well-being CPD session as part of the project actually I think it's a good use of your time because it will save you time in the long run it will be a way of you thinking "Mm, is this important is this not do I need to prioritize again here Um, and just thinking about what works for you and what doesn't I think is a, a really good investment of your time and I've certainly benefited from that. How do your participants find the time to engage with this project? Do they have to very deliberately carve out a few hours to make it work? So people do it in different ways. And I'm very honest about that at the beginning and, you know, hopefully reassuring to people that they we we like people to keep the diary toolkits on a daily basis. But for the first three weeks in particular, when they're using that standard book and trying every activity once, But we're not stipulating how long that entry should be or how much time people should dedicate to it or when it should be completed. So if people want to to do it in the morning, then that's fine. If people want to spend 30 minutes on it, that's fine. But equally, if people only have 10 minutes at lunchtime, that's also okay. It's about the process, not the product. Um, And those monthly wellbeing CPD slots, they're an hour per month. But if people can't attend, then they're recorded. And so people can engage with it at a time that suits them. So again, it's about relinquishing that judgment and expectation around diary keeping, thinking that it has to be like the diaries of Samuel Pepys. It has to begin Dear Diary with a dated entry and it has to go on for five pages. It definitely doesn't. And that's what this project hopefully Um, shows people is that the diary can be anything you want it to be it's about using it as a canvas of you and of your life and using it to help you flourish and grow personally and professionally Um, and I think people have found that really reassuring actually that you know some people have said oh I thought that I would have to you know give up an hour an evening and actually I've just spent 15 minutes a day but I've equally taken so much from it And some people have said, I started doing this myself and then my daughter's got involved or my husband's got involved and it can have that ripple effect within the family as well. So that's been, yeah, really, really nice. 
Thanks. That's a really good summary of the project and the kind of steps you've taken to draw participants into it. Um, I wonder if we might move on now to the nuts and bolts of physically opening up the diary, possibly the most daunting phase in the whole process. <laughs> yes. So I suppose opening up the diary is about just breaking free from that literary, historical and cultural baggage that I've spoken about. So I want people in this book and through the project to see that if we can define the diary on our own terms and define well-being on our own terms and in our own way, then actually we can use the diary as a flexible canvas of us and our well-being needs. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to contain certain entries. It's about, you know, opening up that tiny silver padlock and, and breaking free from those supposed rules and, and regulations that come with diary keeping. There aren't any. And I think the more we experiment, the more we're helping future diarists, actually, and we're giving permission to others to do the same. Um, I think that we maybe come from an education system where we think a diary is a dated entry. I, I remember, you know, vividly looking at the diaries of Samuel Pepys and being asked to write a diary entry in primary school. And it had to begin with Dear Diary and had to have the date and had to be signed off at the bottom and had to be quite formally written in full sentences with the correct spelling, punctuation and grammar. And I just want to show people that if this diary is only going to be looked at by you, then why shouldn't it contain drawing and why shouldn't it contain audio recording or stuck in receipts from a coffee that you had with a friend that bought you a huge amount of joy? It can be anything. Um, and I hope that this diary just allows people to be creative and playful with their own diaries. So are there any other particular diarists I ought to forget about then? <laughs> And I'm not saying that you shouldn't forget about Samuel Pepys. I, you know, I think Samuel Pepys is fantastic, as I do Virginia Woolf and all the other diarists that I mention in the book. But I just think that we perhaps are trained to think that a diary has to look a certain way. There's a lot of shoulds with diary keeping. And this book is about letting go of those shoulds and to stop shoulding on ourselves when it comes to diary keeping. I think that we we do ourselves a disservice if we only use written entries because we don't get to know our fullest selves with just writing. We have to use more than writing. And even when I'm talking about writing in the book, I'm saying that writing doesn't have to be pages of prose. It could be one line a day. It could be bullet points. It could be letters or lists. It could be anything. You can experiment with writing just as much as you can with drawing or um, audio recording or photographs etc and visual elements you can be experimental and the more experimental you are the more you'll find out about yourself and what you need to you know to grow personally and professionally and I've definitely benefited from that so I only used to use writing in my diary so when we did the diary toolkit and I was having to use it I found that quite hard to begin with because there was that sense of fear and oh you know I'm not an artist but what we say to people is that you don't have to be an artist you know stick people are absolutely fine nobody's going to be judging you on your entry but actually if you go to your entry with you know 
withdrawing rather than writing, you can find out something about that situation or about yourself that might not have come through if you'd only used writing. And we've had participants tell us that before. I remember one lady who came to the storyboarding activity and before that point, she said to me, I, I won't be doing that. I'm not an artist. And I said, I really like you to just have a go because you don't have to show it to anybody and stick people are fine. You can just use a biro or a pencil, whatever you've got to hand. And she did it and she came back to me and she said it was amazing and that this she'd have this light bulb moment from completing the entry that she wouldn't have necessarily had had she just stuck to her you know own um sort of ways of diary keeping before the project so i think it's really really important that we we motivate ourselves and inspire ourselves to try new things and actually there's a lot of research to suggest that if you take a novel approach when it comes to diary keeping you're more likely to keep the habit going. And our participants have said in the past that the, the, the fact this um, diary toolkit is playful and it is creative, it's almost like a game, as you yourself said, Christopher, that motivates people to keep going with it because it feels different. It doesn't feel like work. And I think that's really, really important. And as I say, if we're using lots of different activities and entries in our diary then we're giving permission to future diarists to do the same and to open up the diary and reimagine it even further okay lucy so i've decided now then i'm going to commit to getting up at five o'clock in the morning i've decided my equipment is <laughs> going to be a nice fountain pen i don't Lovely. usually write in fountain pens i find them quite difficult to use so it's going to be very special it's going to be a special fountain pen i've chosen one of those nice ancient looking notebook things you can buy in <laughs> yeah. some bookshops for about 15 pounds that look like they've been i don't know salvaged from some kind of old library <laughs> i'm sitting down i'm wide awake at five o'clock in the morning i've got my pen in my hand i've filled it up with ink i've opened the diary and I've got that blank page in front of me. In chapter four, you give a really, really nice summary of some techniques that might get me past that blank page. Are you able to offer us a summary of any that you think either you've tried yourself or some of your participants have had particular joy with? Yeah, so maybe I can talk about the transition activities here because I think, as you very rightly say, Christopher, we can have those good intentions of, yep, yeah, I've got all my beautiful stationery sat out in front of me, so now I'm going to complete my diary entry. And then you think, oh my gosh, I've got all of these different ideas and all of these different to-do items buzzing around in my head and I've got to put the washing in on and I've got to get dinner ready, etc., etc. It can be really hard to get into a reflective mindset. So in the book, I talk about these transition tasks, which we have in the diary toolkit, and those are the activities on the wooden spinner that I mentioned. And basically, these are three to five minutes activities to help people get into a reflective mindset to draw a line in the sand and to press pause so it can be anything from doing some breathing to listening to a piece of music to um, making a cup of tea or drink of choice and just looking out of the window it's about the process again not the product this is about just showing yourself that you matter and now it's your time. And what we found is that those transition activities have been really, really powerful for people. And some people even just take their spinner into school and use them at different points in the day um, because it's a way of just resetting and, and you know, just stopping and 
turning inwards and going from that caretaking mode, which, you know, we as educators are all too familiar with where we are firefighting all day, every day. So it's about going from that state to one that's about taking care of you, about turning inwards. Um, and they are incredibly powerful. And I think when it comes to the blank page, if you're doing one of those activities, it can help to just get you into the right you know, mindset, if you like. And then, yes, as you say, in, in chapter four, I've got this whole diary buffet, I called it. So we've got over 30 different activities that people can try and dip in and out of and come back to as and when they want to. So I think if you're worried about the blank page, actually, one of the things I would suggest is just almost sectioning off that blank page. So drawing smaller boxes so that it doesn't look like one space you have to fill on that day. So you could even just divide that up into three or four boxes. And it might be that in one of those, you allocate one box per day. And in one of those boxes, you draw a picture on one day and in an, another box on another day, you just write one sentence summarizing your day. Um, and that could be at the end of the day if you just want to zoom out and summarize, or it could be at the beginning of the day where you're setting an intention. So today I will prioritize my well-being and leave school by four o'clock, or today I will um, make sure I have a proper lunch break, anything like that. But I think starting small is essential to overcoming the fear of the blank page. And in the book, I have lots of ways of doing that. So it might be you know, another box could be dedicated to doodling and you could just spend two to three minutes doodling within that box. And then at the end of that two to three minutes thinking, OK, does that doodle mean anything? Um, and I did this activity in the diary toolkit and I did it twice on different weeks. And the first week I did it and I just had lots of spirals and just spiral after spiral after spiral. And on the second week when I did it, I ended up having flowers with leaves coming off of the stems and it was really beautiful. And and I'm not an artist, but I thought it, it looked good. And I reflected on how different these entries were. And when I looked at the bigger picture, the week with the spirals was a particularly busy week at the university. I had a lot of teaching and marking and it was quite full and overwhelming. And then the second week when I did it was a calmer week where I had a lot more blank space in my calendar. So it was just really interesting to see those differences. And from that, I could think, OK, well, what could I do more of to get to the point where I'm drawing more flowers rather than spirals? And I could think about, you know, what what bits I could put into my own calendar on a day to day basis to just help me keep topped up rather than, you know, depleting as the week went on. So, yeah, those are a few things that I might suggest as a way to get started. I'm interested in your spiral idea. It seems to <laughs> highlight that sense that you mentioned in the book, actually, about finding the narrative and making sense of experience. Absolutely. Those two different sets of mark making have given you some kind of narrative thread that you can reflect upon later. Yeah, absolutely. And at the, at the time, I didn't really know what these spirals meant, but I felt better 
having, you know, spiraled um, for two to three minutes. And it was only when I zoomed out, having had two entries and how different they were, that I was able, as you say, to make sense of that experience, but also just connecting the dots. And I think a diary is a really good way for you to notice patterns and trends emerging when it comes to your well-being and thinking, well, what's working for me and what isn't and what's coming up again and again that maybe is something I need to address and how might I address it? So going back to that idea of a diary being a sounding board, it gives you the chance to just test out different ideas and strategies and to just think you know, um, three-dimensionally and creatively. Um, one of the activities we've got in the Diary Toolkit is called Conquer a Challenge. And again, we encourage people to just be really creative with the challenge that could be big or small, but just to, to download various ways that they could overcome that challenge. And I think the diary generally gives people a, a you know, an opportunity to do that when it comes to their well-being. How can we, in a time-poor, always-on culture, prioritize ourselves when our time attention and energy is being called elsewhere yeah i think you're definitely right about that that sense of needing to find that space to build the energy back up again is quite important isn't it and quite a number of your uh, filling the blank page suggestions tend to focus on the positive the future what what you might achieve yet wherever your position might be. I'm particularly struck by the vision board. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the vision board is important. And just to sort of talk about why I, why a lot of entries are about celebration and finding the positives. I think it's because in my experience, teaching can attract perfectionists. And I definitely include myself here. I am a recovering perfectionist. And it's something I found quite debilitating at times because there's always something else I could be doing and always more I feel I should be giving and what I want is for educators to see just how brilliant they are I work with so many wonderful student teachers who just feel that they need to burn themselves out and in order to stay in the profession and you know that that is true for educators at later stages of their career as well and I don't want this sense of burnout to be part of the job description when it comes to teaching so I have a lot of activities that focus on the positives because I want us to see just how well we're doing and that we are enough exactly as we are and that actually by celebrating ourselves on a daily basis as well as collectively as we go through a diary that's a great way to keep the habit going as well so um James Clear and BJ Fogg who are behavior design theorists talk about um, using um, praise as a way to keep up habit formation and to establish a habit. And actually, you can't rely on motivation. Motivation is this fair weather friend, I think BJ Fogg calls it. So if we want to keep a habit going, then celebration is really, really important. And what you're doing through celebrating yourself through the pages of a diary is building up that narrative, that bigger picture of, you know, this is who I am and aren't I great and aren't I doing well? And those give you the entries to time travel back to, if we think about the diary as a portal, when you're having a bad day or where you, when you think, oh, why am I doing this? Why am I in this profession? Um, so, yeah, that's just giving a bit of context around, you know, celebration. And also our brains are hardwired to focus on the negatives. We're five times more likely to focus on what we're not doing rather than what we are. And um, there's this quote in the book um, where I talk about um, 
the negatives sticking to us like Velcro, whereas the positives falling off us like Teflon. And so we have to retrain our brains to focus on those positives. Um, but to go back to your point, Christopher, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent about a vision board. Um, this activity, it draws on lots of other work um, from people who have explored vision boards, particularly Tara Swartz in her great book, The Source. And it's about creating a vision board, if you like, of the you that you want to become in the future. So it might be, right, I'm working towards this goal, such as, you know, spending less time focusing on work. How am I going to get there? What would this future me look like? So if it was you spending less time at work, then your vision board might include images of family and friends and those places you want to visit, maybe um, lovely coffee shops or holiday destinations and, you know, a big pile of books if it was me. And, you know, it could be anything. It could be a dog, whatever works for you. Um, and the reason for this is because what you're doing is almost priming your brain to grasp those opportunities to get you to that future self and so it's a way of retraining your brain again um, and it can be a really really helpful way of reminding you that right this is where I want to be this is the type of person I want to become so what am I going to do to get there and it can be a, a way of just supporting you with that journey and you can do vision boards you know for a month's time for six months time for a year's time five years time whatever you know you want to do but it can be a great way of just stopping for a moment and thinking this isn't working you know I do not want to be somebody who is staying in school until 7pm every evening and not seeing my family and friends and feeling absolutely exhausted when I get to the weekends. Who do I want to be in six months time? What would this, you know, the future me look like? And so then having that vision in front of you will help you to almost establish the steps to get to that point and to hardwire your brain to help you um, and to retrain it to support you to get there sounds to me like it has a lot of overlap with coaching as well is there Absolutely. a coaching process involved in this yeah, no it does have lots of um overlaps with coaching and coaching isn't explicitly explored in the book but there are activities that are very similar to what a coach would use so I've been through coaching myself and have supported people with coaching and a vision board is something that I have done and that others you know, um, have been asked to do by me, etc. And I found it really, really helpful. I've got a vision board currently on my bedside cabinet, which is about just, you know, work-life balance or life-work balance or fit or whatever you want to call it. And just a reminder, I, I wake up or before I go to bed every day and just see that board. And it's a reminder that I'm more than my to-do list, that my family and friends are my priority, that my health is a priority, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think having those visual images is really important because sometimes we're so so focused on, you know, that sort of treadmill. And again, there are so many wonderful elements of teaching, but it is fast paced, it's intense, and we can get into that bubble and forget to look up. And I find that a vision board is a good way of us just looking up and thinking about that bigger picture and thinking about, again, that narrative of our life and, and where we want to be and, and who we want to be. Thank you. I, I think I probably ought to just summarise for listeners just joining us um, where we are at the moment. So tonight 
I'm speaking to Dr. Lucy Kelly, and we're discussing Lucy's new book, Reimagining the Diary, and considering the positive benefits that diary keeping might bring to teaching professionals in terms of catharsis, celebration and perspective. And we've just been looking through, really, some significant techniques that you might be able to use to open up that diary, to take the step of committing something to posterity for however long you wish to keep it. The show tonight is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines, specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to find Lucy's book, to explore a full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. If you'd like to put a question to Lucy directly, then please do message us and we'll bring you into the conversation in this final section of the show. So we talked about some ideas, Lucy, that we could use to help us get started. That first entry, help us open up that first few entries. You've mentioned briefly this topic of habits. How do you keep journal keeping going? How do you make sure it keeps the momentum that you build up in that first flush of excitement? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And it goes back to your um, description of that beautiful fountain pen and notebook. And it's lovely having that beautiful stationery. And I am a stationery addict, but you don't need all of that in order to get started. It's absolutely fine to just use a pencil or biro that you have to hand in an old notebook or a scrap of paper. I don't want buying new stationery to be a barrier to people beginning the habits. But what I talk about in the book is that in order to establish this habit and to keep it going, I think it's important to make it small, simple and sustainable. So I use the three S's. And I think that if we can, again, sort of let go of this sense of what a diary should look like, that it should be pages and pages of entries and perfect prose, then actually we can just be compassionate towards ourselves and think something is better than nothing. And that's definitely a mantra of mine in lots of different areas of my life. So what I suggest using the work of um, BJ Fogg and James Clear is that you want to make it small. So you don't want to put the amounts as a barrier to you keeping the entry. So even if you can only dedicate five minutes of time to that entry or two minutes of time to that entry, that is absolutely fine. If you do more, wonderful. But if you don't, that's okay, because you'll still feel that sense of achievement by completing the entry. And remember, we talked about praise and celebration being a way to keep the habit going. Um, also, you want to make it simple. So you want to have all of that equipment to hand um, to make it visible so that you're not trying to find things and then you can't find it and you think, oh, I'm just not going to bother now. So um, James Clear in his brilliant book, Atomic Habits, talks about habit stacking. And this is something I draw on in the book. So if you... Um, have a morning coffee and that's part of your morning ritual then you could leave your diary next to the kettle or the cafetiere or coffee machine or whatever you've got and then whilst your coffee is brewing or your tea is brewing you could complete your diary entry so you're stacking one habit onto another a habit that you know is going to happen you're adding a new habit which can be a really good way of just you know 
embedding it, if you like. Um, and I think in terms of making it sustainable as well, it's about seeing your diary as a date with a VIP. So in the book, I, I talk about this idea that you have to see your, your diary as a date with a very important person and keep it as you would an appointment with a colleague or friend. So if you need to set a calendar reminder, absolutely fine. If you need to schedule a five minute slot into your calendar or your organizational diary, then absolutely brilliant as well. And, and I will do that at times as well. So it's about turning it to basics, returning to those basics to keep it going. Um, and as I say in the book, the smaller the habit is, the more likely you are to do it. You can't rely on motivation um, because, as you know, BJ Fogg says it's this fair weather friend that comes and goes. So if you want to embed a habit over time, praise is essential in the moment so that yes I did it or a square of dark chocolate or a high five whatever works for you and it has to be personal as well as collective praise so seeing that you've kept that diary entry over a week you've kept it going that's brilliant and it might be that you are you know making a note on your calendar on the wall and just adding across each day that you do keep your diary entry because the more crosses you see the more likely you are to keep the habit going as well um, in the book, I talk about this idea of tying your diary, um, your diary keeping practice to the person you want to become. And the wonderful Patrick Otley O'Connor, who is on Twitter and is this brilliant person and human, talks about being well-being supermodels. So if you know that you want to be somebody who prioritises their well-being and the diary being a tool to help you achieve that, then you're more likely to keep the habit up because you know it's an important part, an important component of that future person you want to be. Um, also novelty, and I've talked about this as well, and, and in the book in terms of habit formation, experimenting with different formats really helps you to embed the, the habit because you don't see it as boring. You see it as creative and playful and experimental. And again, you're more likely, you know, think of yourself as children. Um, and if you have children as well, if we're excited about something and we know it's new and we know it's exciting, then we're more likely to do it. Um, I've talked about habit stacking, but just to go back to that, if your diary doesn't fit in one place that's okay and in the book I talk about this idea of you know being experimental so if completing your diary entry doesn't work when you're making your morning cup of tea or coffee then experiment and find somewhere else to to attach it or to stack it onto so it could be that you stack it onto your lunch break at work or it could be that you replace one habit with another in the evening so rather than looking at your phone last thing at night you're going to complete your diary and so you've stacked your diary entry onto your bedtime routine but at the same time replaced maybe an, a negative habit or a, a less impactful um, positive um, tool with one that will impact your well-being more positively and just finally with regards to habit stacking um I think it takes time and I think as I said earlier if it doesn't work in one place that's okay try somewhere else and just be kind to yourself um you know we're we're doing our best and it's about finding the right spot for you and we're all different so as I say just be experimental and, and keep trying to find that right place for you and you will but if you've really lowered the bar where it comes to diary keeping and to what you think a diary should look like and to making it your own and to 
being creative with it, then that will help with the diary, um, you know, the diary habit, if you like, because you're not seeing yourself in relation to somebody else. This is on your terms and this is about what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah, there's almost, I think, the possibility that even if you were just to commit a single word a day yeah, absolutely. to a page, by the time you've got to the end of the first month, you might look back and think, well, I wonder what those different words mean now. I'm looking yeah. back at them from this particular vantage point. Yeah. It's almost almost like you could commit nearly anything at all to the page and there would be some kind of some kind of story that it would tell that would be later worth retelling or at least trying to translate in some way. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, really important just to reiterate that it could be one word, it could be one image, it could be a photograph, you know, summarizing your day. It doesn't have to be big. But I just think having something to work with can be really insightful because, as you said, Christopher, you know, if you're um, building up that bank of words or bank of images, when you then come to step back on those at the end of a week or a month, it can be really insightful because you've got a physical artifact, if you like, of your week, of your month and how it relates to your well-being. And you can start unpicking that. I think that what's wonderful about the diary is that, that it's this physical artifact of us and our lives and our well-being. And it can be a way of just, you know, looking at that almost like an artifact in a museum and exploring it from different positions and, you know, zooming in on certain details and thinking, well, what does that mean and how does that relate to everybody else? Um, but again, as you say, right, you said it doesn't have to be masses. And I think if we put the pressure on ourselves that it does have to be pages and pages and it does have to be perfect prose, then we're not even going to start because we're setting ourselves up to fail. And in this, as I said earlier, this time poor, you know, um, culture, I don't want that. I don't want time to be seen as this barrier, although it is the biggest barrier that our participants have identified, you know, that they say, well, it's just finding the time to do it. If we can lower the bar to say, well, just spend one minute or just spend 30 seconds writing a word down, then you are making it much more inclusive and, you know, available to people because they're not seeing themselves as going into something where they'll just fail because they don't have 30 minutes a day to dedicate to something but I think if you can just do something each day to just you know consider your well-being in the pages of a diary then it can really help you moving forward it can give you that evidence if you like to make the changes that you need in order to you know flourish and grow and it can show you what's working and what isn't um, and I think just in terms of habits as well, and I talk about this a lot more in the book, we talk about different types of prompts and your environment can be a prompt. So leaving your diary out in a visible place so that you are not going to miss it can be really powerful. And you can also use people as prompts. So you can have an accountability buddy. And this isn't to berate anybody keeping a diary or trying to keep a diary. It's a way of you celebrating each other. So you could just check in with each other, you know, via a WhatsApp message or a voice note, just saying, oh, I've done my diary entry. Have you, or this is what came up for me or didn't. I mean, you don't have to share that at all. But just knowing that other people are doing this with you can be really powerful. And I think that's what's one of the successes of the diary project that I run 
is this sense of accountability and us all being in this together. We're all working on our well-being and we're using a diary to help us with that. Yeah, I like the analogy actually of creating a living museum, which I think is the A. Johnson quotation. Yes, that's right. Uh, we used to run in my school a unit of work with some of our students actually where they would where they would write a museum of their life and they'd put in various things. They'd describe various artefacts, uh, put in various pictures, often flashing forward to the future when they're the first Englishman to land on Mars or something of similarly modest ambition. <laughs> and uh, it strikes me actually just how much the experience of going to a museum is about the experience of being with other people as well as seeing what's in the glass cases. So I quite like this idea of the accountability buddy. Mm, absolutely. And I think that it can be really nice to sort of see those living museums of other people if you want to share it, because that can be, again, going back to those CPD sessions, knowing that other people were finding it difficult to prioritise themselves on the to-do list, but also then hearing what they did in order to help them can then be something we take into our own living museum. We can, you know, replicate that artefact, if you like. And I think it's also a way of us just showing ourselves that we are doing well. Again, going back to that idea of celebration, if you're, you know, creating this living museum of yourself over time, even if that's one word a day or one image or one photo, whatever you choose to do and, and be varied with that, then you're showing yourself just how much you are doing and how much, you know, you matter, if you like. And it can be that way of just keeping the momentum going in the difficult times as well. Um, because I think it can be very hard for us to, you know, rem when we're in the moment, it can sometimes be difficult to see our why, to find our purpose. And I think a diary can be that anchor again that reminder of this is why we're doing it this is what matters but also not losing ourselves in within that busyness of the world of education yeah it seems also not doing it for instagrammable purposes which i think is also important this lack of performativity in front of an mm. audience yeah and i i do talk about the use of digital diaries in the book and i've written about that before and that's not to say that you know the online world of diary keeping doesn't have something to offer and i do if anybody follows me on twitter and you can follow me um with the handle at dr lucy kelly i do a three good things every day um which is a great way of me just drawing that line in the sand between work and home and zooming out on the bigger picture. So even in the most difficult, on the most difficult days where I think, oh my gosh, it's been so intense. I just feel that all I've done is look at my laptop. I can still think, no, I had a lovely cup of coffee. I had a really nice conversation with one of my sisters. I played Lego with my two sons and those are my three good things. So they don't have to be big. They can be really, really tiny. And that's lovely because then other people will sort of link me to their three good things. And again, there's that sense of community. But I am performing in that space. So thinking about that idea of performativity and judgment and expectation, I'm in a public space. And so I'm mindful of what I am posting. I will be more authentic in the physical pages of my diary that I keep just for me and I don't share with anybody. And so having those different spaces and having those different audiences, if you like, both of those top up my well-being, but I use them in very different ways. And so being mindful of how you're using your diary and why, I think, is important. 
Yeah, it's about that not oversharing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think that if we want to get to know ourselves at that deeper level, then we need a space where we can do that. And perhaps in the world of Instagram, where we want everything to be nice and shiny, and we're not displaying the five period day that has left us exhausted and the difficult year nine class that we had to deal with, or the screaming toddler that we were taking to nursery, etc., if we're not having a space to download that and vent it, then we're sort of taking that with us into, you know, the next day or into the next meeting or whatever it might be. And that has an impact. So having those different types of diary or different spaces where you can, you know, share your public self and, and share those shiny moments, definitely celebrate those, but also have a space where you can share the not so shiny moments and feel comfort from that as well. And almost, you know, one of the cathartic elements of diary keeping is around this sense of downloading the day and venting and turning the abstract into the concrete and making it much easier to deal with. So downloading those not so shiny elements means that you can park it, draw a line in the sands and move away from it. And that's really, really powerful. And I think, well, if we're not doing that anywhere, then that's going to impact our, our well-being. Thank you. We've talked so far about how teaching professionals might respond to this process. How are your year 12 students who are trialling this, managing that difference between the online space and the offline diary? And it's really interesting because going back to the idea of having more digital activities, they similarly didn't want more digital activities or a digital diary toolkit. So when we were reimagining the diary with them last summer, um, they said they liked this, the idea of it being a physical book that they could use quite differently to what they're doing in the online world, if you like, and to have somewhere that was just for them and felt very private and safe. Um, and that was really, really interesting. So they're currently trialing it and it's become part of a tutor time package that we've been offering with the school, which is really exciting. So there's a, a space for them to talk about some of the activities and how they're helping their well-being within the school day, but then they're keeping those entries outside of the school day as well. Um, and we've got a focus group meeting with some of the year 12s in a few weeks time. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about how they're finding it and, and what tweaks and changes we can make moving forward. So will this be their first report on the project or a subsequent series of reports? So this will be their first report on the new student version of the diary toolkit. So I've had reports from their tutor and their um, you know, heads of year, but this is the first report from them. So I'm excited, but also a little bit nervous about hearing from them um, because they were very honest when we reimagined the diary with them. So we took a, a teacher version of the diary toolkit to them and I said, I want you to, to keep it for a few weeks, but then we're going to come back together. And I just want you to tell me what's working, what's not, and be completely honest. And I blew up the activities onto big sheets of A3 paper and they scribbled all over them and they told me what they liked and what they didn't and what they think that what they thought there should be more of or less of. And it was really, really insightful, actually, um, and really great because it was from their perspective. I am not a year 12 people, so I wanted it very much to come from them and for them to be involved in the co-creation of it. And which particular community are they drawn from, the Year 12 students? Are they drawn from one school or a series of schools? 
Yes, so they're drawn from one school. So it's a school in Gloucester called Pate's Grammar School and it's brilliant and I'm thoroughly enjoying working with them and the lovely Michael Cupper who has been so accommodating and warm. He heard about the diary project through um, the university, through a blog post that was shared I think about the project and got in, t- um, in contact with me and it felt quite um amazing actually because at that point I had been thinking well we need to start working with students you know if um, we want to create a community of care and a community of well-being then we can't just work with teachers we need to work with everybody and the wonderful Dr Sue Roffey talks about teacher well-being and student well-being being two sides of the same coin and that's something that's really stuck with me over the years so having thought this I then got this email from Michael saying oh I'm really interested in your project would you like to have a conversation and it was just you know it was serendipity and it was wonderful and we're looking to um you know to work with other year groups moving forward as well and to think about how we can continue to create this culture of care and and support you know student mental health and well-being as well as educator mental health and well-being it's such an important area and you know coming up to mental health awareness week I think that um diary keeping is a small but important step and tool when it comes to comes to that because it's a place for students and educators to start asking questions and seeking answers and yeah finding out about themselves at that deeper level you mentioned earlier in the show a memory about making a diary entry as a primary school child do you think this project could have any application in the primary sector absolutely and I think we're keen to you know move downwards as well as up in terms of working with um undergraduate students and master's students as I say I work with my um student teachers on the PGC course but I think there's a space for this for those students moving into undergraduate courses but I also think for primary children as well I think there's a definite need and you know applicability of the project to that sector so yeah I would be keen to explore that as well my youngest son who is eight he keeps a one line a day diary and he knows about the project obviously because I talk about it in the book and what was really interesting was when he got this diary that he wanted he said to me, I'm not just going to write in it, mum, I'm going to start using images and I'm going to start, you know, taking photos and sticking those in. And it was just lovely because he was very much being experimental and reimagining it and really taking ownership of that. And I think that if we can start supporting children at a young age to just explore, you know, their well-being and mental health and to see it as important and as a priority and for them to be given the time and space to have those conversations. I think it's essential. Um, And I think having conversations with, you know, um, the people I'm working with in the school at the moment, they were saying that making tutor time a space to do that is, you know, is a really good idea. And that's something that we're looking to do next academic year as well. And I'm thinking about how you know the diary project might be a way of just supporting learners with you know their anxiety and that's obviously the the topic of mental health awareness week and I think that the diary can be a really good way of just you know unpicking those anxious thoughts and feelings and thinking about right what do I need right now and and how am I going to to manage that and who can I seek out for support etc. Are there any other 
academic groups working on similar projects internationally? So that's something that I haven't explored too much. I think there are some groups in Australia um, who have been exploring reflective practice through diary keeping, um, but that's an avenue for us to explore in the future. We're going to be doing some work with an international school in Slovakia next academic year, which is really exciting because I'm keen to take this work outside of the UK as well as developing it within the UK. Um, and just, yeah, connecting with other people who are doing similar things. I think what's different about our project compared to what I've um, explored in other um, projects is that it is multimodal. So it is this creative approach that's not just writing and that it is about attaching a well-being CPD package to the diary toolkit and to reflective practice. Um, they go in tandem. It's almost like this double helix that both of them together really supports educator well-being because you've got those daily reflections that you've also got this sense of community coming from the the CPD source. I suspect your participants may well feel a greater sense of agency around the CPD program as well as a consequence of this project. Yeah definitely I think it's just given them the confidence to take ownership of their well-being and to make changes that's what's been really nice in the feedback is that people have you know I talked earlier about identifying patterns and trends and people have managed to do that to think oh this has been going on for far too long I'm spending way too many nights working late at school I now need to make a change and the diary because they've seen you know those collective entries build up they can see that they need to do something and and it has given that them, them that agency to do so and that's been really really powerful and insightful and also as i said as well it can be a way of just giving you that concrete evidence to take into conversations and meetings if you want to rather than everything just swirling around in your head and you not being able to make sense of it if you can download it into the pages of a diary in a way that suits you then when you go to that meeting when you go to that tricky conversation, you've got something there that can keep you grounded and anchored to, you know, what's important and what's right for you. As a diary keeper yourself, Lucy, have you been surprised by any of the findings on your research project so far? I think it was the celebration side. So I think I had always personally used a diary for catharsis and for perspectives, so that sense of downloading and venting, and also to look at a situation from different perspectives. I'd always used it in that way, but I had never used it to celebrate myself and my achievements. And I think as a perfectionist, that's really difficult to do. I'm very good at celebrating others, but I'm not very good at celebrating myself. I'm always looking at what I'm not doing rather than what I am. And when I was hearing about participants who had celebrated themselves in the pages of a diary and the impact that had had on their well-being moving forward, I found that quite startling. Um, but then when I started trying it myself, which was really difficult to begin with, I did feel those benefits. It was like that that lift it was almost like yes I can do this you know it's like you've got an internal cheerleader or supporter inside your head who's just motivating you to keep going 
Um, and that's been really illuminating rather than berating myself constantly using the diary to celebrate myself and who I am and my achievements, however small those are, even if it's to, you know, even if it's dropping both of my sons off at school and getting into work on time, that's an achievement. Um, that's been really, really powerful. And what's the biggest challenge you've faced in keeping your own diary going, Lucy? I think it is around time. I think that's something that all of us, as, I, as I've said throughout this conversation, find difficult because we don't have lots of time. And to prioritise your diary on the expanding to-do list when you're already feeling time poor is challenging. But if you can just dedicate 30 seconds to five minutes to your diary each day, you will notice a difference and you will reap the rewards from doing so because actually it will give you back time because it will help you, as I said earlier, to see, you know, what's working and what isn't. And that will give you time in the long run because you'll be able to discard those things or some of them that aren't working for you and to use your time more effectively for you and to make it work for you. Um, so I've had to do the habit stacking that I talked about earlier, and that habit stacking has changed over time as well. Um, so now sometimes I'll make a diary entry when I arrive at work and I'm sat in the car park before I go up to my office, I'll just spend two minutes making a note in my diary and it might be an intention for the day so if I'm feeling a little bit anxious about something I will try and just step back from that and write my intention for the day or visualize how I want the day to go or something like that and that can be really really helpful so sometimes I'll do a few shorter entries through a day and I'll use my diary in different ways to support me at various points throughout the day um but time, I think, will always be the biggest barrier because our time is constantly being pulled in other directions. So we have to make the time, but that time doesn't have to be huge amounts. It can just be a couple of minutes. And I promise you that if you do that, you will feel better. Perhaps also thinking more intelligently about some of the seemingly dead time we have in our days. Yes, no, and that's something that, you know, I'm mindful that we're speaking over Twitter. Sometimes we can get pulled into Twitter rabbit holes or we can spend an hour on Facebook when we only wanted to go on it for five minutes. And actually being quite um, conscious of our time and how we're using that, I think, can be really powerful. Um, so, yes, I've tried to pull away from what you're saying, Christopher, is that dead time and thinking, OK, is this the best use of my time? Is this topping up my wellbeing cup or would that time be better spent elsewhere? And spending five minutes in a diary is definitely a better use of your time because you're not only celebrating yourself now and all that you're achieving, but you're also helping your future self by working out, you know, what's going well and what isn't and how you can make changes moving forward. Well, thank you very much indeed, Lucy, for your thoughts this evening. It's been absolutely fascinating to hear everything you've had to say about A, filling the blank page, which for me is always a particular worry, and B, keeping the habit going once it has taken root. Copies of your book, Reimagining the Diary, are available to order from www.johncat.com and all good bookstores but where might our listeners Lucy find out more about your work on education teacher well-being and professional development 
Thank you, Christopher. Well, people can follow me on Twitter using the hashtag at Dr. Lucy Kelly, um, all one word. You can also find out more about the project via our blog, which is reimagining the diary, all one word, dot blogs, dot bristol, dot ac, dot uk. And you'll find out about the project and what we're currently working on and you know the different things that we're doing so it would be lovely to hear from you and if you're interested in participating in the project as well then please do let me know. I have to say your book gives some very clear accessible and practical advice on how to create a space for reflecting upon the pleasures and challenges of teaching in any context and some very welcome encouragement on how to keep the reflection going amid 101 other commitments. I very much enjoyed reading the book, Lucy, and I've greatly enjoyed our discussion this evening. Thank you, Christopher. No, thank you for your kind words about the book, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you very much. I'm going to go and write about it or draw about it in my own diary now. So thank you. Well, I certainly feel I'm now one step closer to opening that diary that I think I last opened shortly after the millennium. <laughs> I look forward to hearing more. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks also to Lucy Newberger for producing tonight's show and keeping the tech running beautifully smoothly. Thanks to everyone who has tuned in. Do check out our other Teachers Talk radio shows this week. As always, you can catch up on anything you've missed with our excellent and ever-growing panel of teacher presenters at www.ttradio.org. And if you have something you want to say or ask others about education anywhere on planet Earth, then perhaps you should consider applying to join the station as a show host. We are always on the lookout for those with current or recent experience of the classroom and other less familiar educational settings. Full details can be found on our website, www.ttradio.org. I'm back on Podbean next Sunday evening, exploring the practicalities of teaching writing in prisons. So have a good week, and we will speak again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>